Welcome back to the Black Belter Podcast. You're listening to episode 44. Today's guest is Paul Brown. Paul is a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu brown belt, which he has achieved training under Andy Ryan at Team Rhino. Paul has competed in a number of the sport's top-level competitions, like World and European Championships. Paul's day job is working as a strength and conditioning coach, where he spends most of his time working with the general population. However, he does work with a number of top-level BJJ fighters to help them improve the strength side of their game. I really enjoyed chatting to Paul. We talked about lots of different topics, like the effect of COVID on gyms, Paul's own martial arts journey, SNC and martial arts, and more. As always, make sure to like, share, and subscribe on whatever platform you listen on, and hope you enjoy. All right, so what's up, Paul? How are you? All good, man. How's the farm? All good, all good. Thanks a million for coming on. I uh, really appreciate it. No hassle, no hassle. Um, yeah, just uh, just in the door ahead of you. Like, so uh, sitting on a yoga mat rather than sitting on my chair because I've been in my car for like an hour and 15 minutes there. So feeling oh, the back is too sore to sit at the kitchen table and chat to you. So I'm sitting yeah. down, relaxing the hips a little bit now. Is the is the back something you struggle with a lot? Not at all. No, not usually. But um, just when I, if I've been stuck in, in traffic like that for for a long time, yeah, it's not nice because like when you're training hard and like so I'm not 25 anymore, so it's uh, <laughs> yeah, you're training hard, you you don't recover as quickly. You see, you, you don't take too well to being stuck behind a chair a lot, you know. Yeah, and I found that over the the, the, the course of the, the likes of the lockdown and stuff, working from home and working online rather than working in person. You're kind of just stuck at the kitchen table for hours on end, hunched over the laptop. So it's a big difference. I don't know how people do that kind of eight hours a day for 40, 50 years. I just thought, oh, it's not for me, you know? Yeah. Would you prefer like to, to coach one on one then as opposed to like online or do you have a preference? I think so. Yeah. Like I do prefer that. Like I'm, I'm back training people now because like that's what my profession is. I'm a I'm, um, strength and conditioning uh, coach. So. I'm back training people actually face to face, and uh, yeah, yeah, I much prefer it. Like I've been um, all through the lockdown and stuff. I was doing um, online classes and stuff, so that was that was cool. It was kind of novel. Like it was, it was good in that I didn't have to get up at like stupid o'clock in the morning to go down and open the gym. But um, yeah, you're, it, it's much nicer to be actually around people because right now they're all buzzing to be just sociable again and, and be be surrounded by people and see people for the first time in three months I suppose a lot of people have been cooped up in their houses for a long time now at this point so they're just glad to be spending time with other people for a change you know yeah but like that as a, as a coach like you need that don't you, you need that kind of to, that bounce off of people yeah I like, I like the atmosphere like as well like and you get it when you're around people and like the thing you have to remember when you're coaching people is it's the hour they're coming in to see you is usually the highlight of their day for a lot of people. So sometimes when you're coaching and you're doing sessions back to back to back to back, you can be a bit tired or you can be a bit worn out or whatever, but you have to kind of remember that people are going there for a fucking distraction from, from whatever's going on in their lives. So it's important that you, you know, it's good that you, you, you do need to sort of welcome them into the place and, and do your best not to be in a foul humor and to, to, to put your your own troubles at the back of your mind and, and just be happy happy about it and yeah i do i am really enjoying the positive you know i have to say the last one will be back now nearly two weeks we started back at the first of the month and um yeah i'm loving it like because people are just delighted a lot of them like they're just stuck in the houses like the rest of us we're all stuck in the house with our family non-stop and you can't go see your your brother your sister your mother there for a little while while we were actually in lockdown 
and a lot of them are just like crap, crap stuck at home with a bunch of kids who are driving them up the wall so just the, the elation I'm seeing in people's faces when they're getting their first one or two sessions back under their belt now actually surrounded by their friends and the just relief of getting just getting out of the house for a little while you know a lot of people working from home too so now they don't even have the the, the social aspect that you would get of going to work so it's, it's definitely gonna it's gonna take a little bit of getting used to for a lot of folks you know yeah like it was a big change in routine like wasn't it like like you said going to work going to the gym like that's people's routine and all of a sudden that was interrupted yeah yeah huge um and even with the way we're back now as well there's a lot of things that are different and it's sort of uncharted territory as well so um anyone who's obviously this is a martial arts podcast so a lot of people listening probably run gyms and they're probably dealing with a lot of the same trouble like uh, mine isn't a martial arts gym now but it's um you have the same issues you're sort of trying to figure out on the fly what to do how to restructure this how do i get people how many people can I have booking in per session? What do I do when people want to book in, but then they can't book in? You know, how do I restructure my payment scheme? All, all these kind of, there's a million things that you wouldn't think of that have to be figured out. And we're sort of all just kind of figuring it out as we go along. So it is quite challenging, but the big thing about it is people are eager to get back being social and spending time with other people. They're eager to get back training and, um, like during lockdown, it was it was great to see a lot of people actually stepping up at their exercise levels or physical activity levels. A lot of people were taking up running, taking up cycling, taking up different stuff just to um, just because they had extra time now, you know. Yeah. And um, that that was really good. That was a really positive thing. And now that we're actually able to get back to martial arts, it's like oh Jesus, yeah, it's fantastic. You know, it's an amazing amazing feeling. So. Uh, we're just, just very appreciative of it right now, you know. I'm sure a lot of people are. That was it, like, uh, you didn't realise how much you love it until it was just snatched away from you. But it was the blink of an eye, really, wasn't it? Big time, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you guys are back training as well, yeah? Yeah, we went back on the, I think it was 29th, uh, the 29th, the first day, pretty much the first day we were low back, I think it was the 29th, the first day we were low back, we were we were back. It was a, a quick turnaround, because like that, we were, I think we got a week's notice to kind of realise we could open. So, um, yeah, we got to clean down everything and just get ready to go. So we're back about, like you said, about three weeks. So it's uh, it's been good. Like the response has been yeah, good. Yeah, it was kind of short. Short old notice, wasn't it? Because they sort of just changed. They kind of gave us a, a date down in the middle of August, then they brought it back a little bit, and then they brought it back again. So it was like, okay, quick, make some plans and get this get this show on the road. So a lot of gyms are probably caught on the hop and probably um, probably weren't really ready for that. But look, we're all glad to be open again, I suppose. Yeah, I like that. I've been I've been happy even with the response we we've got back. Like pretty much, we're not quite back to full attendance, but we're but we're pretty close. So that's that's been good as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, same with us. Um, like the, the the small space I have, um, due to um the whole two meter social distance and guideline thing, we basically have a limit on the amount of people now that we can have in per session. And it's it's much less than it used to be. It used to be like ten. We used to have ten to twelve in for group sessions, and the room would be pretty full. But I would have it well organised so that people weren't all on top of each other. But now we're capped at six, so and it's kind of it's it's more difficult for people to get their their spots. But um, a lot of them are just basically doing one or two less sessions per week, and people are sort of making it work. And I'm still doing some online sessions and stuff. So um, there's a few people that are working from home and. 
you'll always have a few people that are maybe just a little bit wary about going back training just yet. They might wait a little bit longer. So I have a few of those clients that are just, they're taking part in home workouts and stuff. Um, some of them are doing one right now, actually. I pre-recorded a yoga session for them. So they're they're slogging away on that right now as we speak. We'd usually be doing a live one um, roughly around this time on a Tuesday night. So yeah, it's, it, it's good. Everyone's sort of figuring their way back into it, you know? Yeah, definitely. But like, so then, like, how, how, what's your kind of background in martial arts? Like, when did you get into jiu-jitsu and, and stuff? Like, what's your own background there? Okay, I'm, I'm quite a while at it now. Like, I'm doing jiu-jitsu. What am I now? God, it's probably nine, nine and a half, nearly ten years, possibly, um, or thereabouts, or about the whole martial arts thing, anyway. So I was about maybe 31, 32 when I started. Um, so I wasn't too young and fresh faced when I was getting going, like. But um, it was uh, yeah, it was initially kickboxing I took up. I because I'm from Mead originally, and there was a club opened up close to us, and it was they were doing kickboxing and some some jujitsu and some MMA. So I was like, you know, I, I was kind of had played ga um, for a few years, a good few years, and I'd sort of just kind of fallen out of love with that. Um, and I'd stopped maybe a year or so and I was looking for just something new to kind of fill me time and I've always liked I've liked MMA you know I've always been into the fights and stuff I was a big boxing fan um, all throughout growing up and then uh, I really got into MMA and stuff so I was like let's, let's go give this a go and I ended up kind of uh, it was predominantly the boxing I was doing when I first started so I I kind of had a, had a couple of fights at that and I, I kind of sprinkled in one or two jiu-jitsu classes there. Um, but the, the the club there was affiliated to Team Rhino, um, which is one of the bigger sort of MMA jiu-jitsu gyms in the, in the country. And there, at the time, they were based in Baldoyle in Dublin. So I kind of got into the habit of maybe once every week or two popping up to them for a session. And after a little while, I was like, you know what, Becca, I'm just going to start going to these guys full-time because it was a different level. Like, it was a big inner club where I was training. There was a lot of white belts and... You know, it was basic enough stuff. You know, I think one jujitsu class a week, and I sort of got into it. I, I, I just started wanting to kind of dive into the jujitsu thing a bit more. So I went to Team Rhino and got stuck in up there, and been there ever since. You know, the gym now has moved. The thing this a good few years ago, but um, I'm part of the furniture up there now. You know, like I'm what is it now? Yeah, it must be nine, nine and a half years, something like that. But um, I'm all the way up at brown belt level now, which like. At the time when I started, there was only two round belts in the country, um, or well, there was two black belts in the country, sorry. Um, my coach, Andy Ryan, was a black belt. He had just got his. And John Kavanagh, who, of course, most people will know as McGregor's head coach in SG. Yeah. So quite a long time ago now, and like, you kinda, you're kind you're going up and you're one of the smaller fish in the pond, and you just keep going and you just keep turning up. And before you know it, you're turning around and people are asking you for advice and uh, you know, you're, you've been there for a while longer and you're one of the higher higher grades in the place. So, you know how it is. It's like, uh, it happens in a flash, you know. Yeah. just you're, you're not really focusing on what you're doing. You're just having too much fun and uh, enjoying, enjoying the, the ride. And um, yeah, delves into like uh, MMA along the way a little bit as well. But it's been mostly jujitsu <laughs> now and I'm punched in the face anyway. <laughs> so, um, a great journey, you know. Like I've competed flat out a lot of the way through. Um, anytime I've been fit and capable, um, I've competed all the way through. Whereas a lot of guys, when they sort of get to my age, they, they kind of have um, a reason not to compete or they sort of let themselves go a little bit. They maybe just train as hobbyists, which, you know, I kind of do at the moment, but I still 
throw myself into competition when I get the chance, you know. So it's um yeah, it's been a, a wild ride, but uh, not ready to stop just yet. We'll keep it going for as long as the bus keeps wheeling. We'll the wheels come off, you know, and keep trucking along. Yeah, I think that's one of the benefits. Like obviously, nearly any martial arts you can take up at any age, but I think maybe where jujitsu is like I suppose my background in taekwondo it can be hard to when you're a little bit older to come in and, and like be flexible and start kicking head high and stuff. You kind of really have to really work and build it up. But there's not much restricting restriction that way in terms of jujitsu, like. Yeah, the big, the, the great thing I love about jiu-jitsu is that when you compete, there's avenues for you to compete no matter what age you are. So, like, the domestic competitions now, it's a little harder because if I'm, like, I'm for, I'll be 42 now in September. I have to keep guessing what, or <laughs> trying to remember what age I am. But, like, if I go to compete now internationally, I would be in Master 3. So the way it works is you've got adult divisions. And then once you go 30, 30 to 35, you can register then to compete at Master 1. So it's guys who are just that little bit past their peak. Maybe they've retired from the top level or whatever. Then 35 to 40, you'll be in Master 2. And now I'm, I'm into Master 3, so I'm definitely getting old, you know. But, like, if you're going to compete at the big international ones, like the Europeans, the Worlds, the Pan Ams, you go and register for one of those tournaments, there's a shitload of guys in your division. Whereas domestically here, you might be lucky to get one, maybe two people in your division. Um, like I did the, a couple of the big domestic ones this year and I had to drop down one age category, which I absolutely don't mind because you're only a couple of years age difference. It's it's nothing, you know. Whereas some of the competitions I did, just to get matches under the belt, I dropped down into the adult division. Like I fought, uh, I fought someone who was 20 years younger than me not that long ago. Do you know what I mean? And when you're four or five minutes in, in, into those matches, you kind of start to feel the, you feel the pace, you know. Those guys are a little bit quicker all the time and they're a little bit sharper in the transitions and scrambles. So, I, I still do it. I still throw myself in there just to get the matches. But the, the great thing is, like, you go to the Europeans, there's guys at Master 6. They're, they're hunched out off the mat. Their knuckles are broken up. Their shoulders are bent over. And they, they, they're walking with a limp. But then they get out there and they slap hands and they just they go at it, you know. There's a, there's a lot of guys there who've maybe done judo all their lives or done wrestling all their lives. And then they've transitioned to jiu-jitsu. Um, and then they've kind of gone up through the grades there. And now they're competing at Master 5 or Master 6, you know, absolute war horses, like guys that had, they'd crush you, you know. So it's um, it's cool to see. It's really cool to see, especially at those big international ones. It's amazing. Like we've gone over there a few times and um, at the Europeans, there's been guys in our bracket. There's a guy in our bracket that won. He competed at the 2004 Olympics, I think, in Greco-Roman wrestling. He won, I don't know. Deaf guys, do they compete in the Paralympics or is there a special Deaf Olympics? It's one or the other. But he won it multiple times in Greco-Roman wrestling. And then he's in our, when we were purple belts, he's in our division in jiu-jitsu. And we're like, okay, don't be mate got drawn against them. Thankfully, it was him, not me. But uh, you get guys like that and then guys who maybe been a judo black belt for 10 years and then then they've got to purple belt or brown belt level in jiu-jitsu as well. So it's not like you're going in there against some alpha and having an easy match. Like you're going in there against someone who's battle-hardened, someone who fought in the UFC. 15 years ago or you know there's guys that have come from all sorts of different sports and different backgrounds and stuff there's no uh there's no easy matches at those levels you know so yeah. it's, it's interesting you do have that like if your body will hold up like I, i'd happily be still competing like when i'm in my 50s and 60s if if providing i can still move around a little bit you know and that's the plan yeah like it's yeah, it's definitely something that we like we do like in Taekwondo, like we have, like you said, it's kind of the same in Ireland. There's it's the like the veterans divisions as they're kind of called, or they're like 
not that big but you can go abroad to get a little bit bigger but a lot of the guys when they retire from high level competition they tend to kind of drop back into to coaching and teaching and like if they go to these big tournaments because it's not split into like juniors and seniors so they're kind of there focusing on the juniors that they've taken but like it would be nice I think you know maybe see some of those like top level comp- who are top level competitors but then if they still have an avenue to compete in high level I think it would be it'd be good I think it's something that maybe could be done a little bit better I suppose in uh, in taekwondo like because like that why not why not stay going Absolutely, like, um, funny enough now, right enough, when the, when the pandemic kicked off here, there was a few competitions obviously got cancelled left, right and centre, but one that was just about to happen was the, the first ever Irish Masters Open, so they had um, they had set it up, I think it was due to take place in March, some, maybe in Limerick, I think, from what I remember, and they had guys registered from the UK and flying in from places. It was just you had to be over thirty, to, and they had all the master one, master two, master three. There was no 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 adult divisions, just master divisions. Um, and it would have been great, you know, because in England they have one. They have the UK Masters, which started I think three years ago, and it's on every September. And I went over a couple of times, and it's a phenomenal day out because we all sort of know each other. Like when we compete, when we go to the Europeans, you'll know the two or three English guys in the division because you'll have met them doing the london open or the you know when you go to the paris open you get to know the guys on the circuit you become friends you keep in touch over facebook and then when you go to the uk masters it's great out fun you know everyone just knows each other because you've got all the guys who were doing it a few years and the guys who all run gyms all the black belts and brown belts they all register and it's um it's a real cool social occasion you fly over the night before you you hire a car you drive down to the venue and you just hang out all day watching good matches everyone has a laugh I got a, as a coffee after a match and a chat watches a few more matches and then flies home. It's an interesting day out, you know. So I'm, I'm I'm hopeful that they can get that back up and running once kind of tournaments and stuff, if and when they do get back up and going, you know, because that'll be real cool. Nice to have for for us our lads to have a day out as well, you know. Yeah, like you said. Well, what 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 else would you be doing? Like, yeah, a couple of days doing what you love, watching what you love, you know. Like, there's there's worse things. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was just talking about that with a friend there the other day. He doesn't really compete a whole lot. And we were kind of saying to him, look, the next time we go to the Europeans, you just come with us. Because uh, when you go to the Europeans, it's just great fun. You're over there for a couple of days and you train really hard. Like the improvements you make in your game while getting ready for a big international tournament are, are great because it forces you to get the head down and pinpoint some stuff that you need to make improvements on train hard put in the hard spar and get yourself in great shape and usually for us now the europeans are in january so what it does for us is it makes us kind of look after ourselves throughout december so you don't come out of christmas fat and out of shape which is great and like i'll pick the, the two or three social occasions that i have to go to throughout christmas I'll, I'll, I'll sort of pinpoint those in the diary and i'll just go right i'll have those but that, that's it and then, like the the Europeans is usually like the third weekend in or the third week in January, so you have time then to sort of get back. But we're basically training throughout Christmas. You'll get up out of bed on Stephen's day and the next day and the next day, and you'll go and you'll spar and get that done before you do everything else for the day. And you start the new year in a sort of a positive frame of mind rather than being hungover and depressed like most people, you know. Um, and we were kind of saying to our mate the other day, you should come with us because when, then when you go to the tournament, it's a couple of days away and. You get a little bit of sun in January, so it's something to look forward to throughout the doom and gloom at the start of the year. And you're just over, you're eating at some nice little restaurants, and then you're just watching some high-level jiu-jitsu for a few days. 
really really high level all the the big superstars are there to compete uh, compete at the adult black belt divisions and the atmosphere is fantastic just a great social occasion as well you know and i think that's one of the big things that i'm kind of missing now that all this shit is going on around us the the social aspect of going to tournaments is great like you can you just bump into people there all the time that you you don't see that often but you, you always get on well with and you'll have a good chat and you can catch up and have a have a coffee with them and and that kind of thing so yeah we're missing a bit of that at the moment you know there's no sign of any any big uh, social gatherings so tournaments will probably be out of the out of the question for the rest of the year i'd imagine you know yeah i'd imagine like that yeah i was we were meant to go to the european championships back in april and it was going to when at first it got cancelled i was kind of feeling like ah yeah look whatever it is what it is like you know but but then it got to that we'd already been in lockdown for maybe four or five weeks and it got to the week we're supposed to be there it just kind of hit. It was like, ah, I should be. It was meant to be on Slovakia, so I should be in Slovakia for the week competing and just, you know, like watching high level matches. Just and like you said, meeting people, like meeting kind of friends from the other countries and all this sort of stuff. Like you just, you just miss it, like big time. Yeah, yeah. Like um, I'm missing it now. Like I was kind of like you. I was like, ah, sure, look, it's grand and whatever. But uh, I'm definitely sort of just getting that itch, that urge to compete now. Like I was watching. There's been some grappling events on there. The weekend just gone. Um, I was watching on Fight Pass. I was watching uh, Polaris. They had um, a sub only show on. And, and the week before, Grapple Fest guys had one on in the UK. Now, there's no spectators, but it's just some high level matches, submission only matches. And I was watching them and I was like, fuck, I'm, I'm kind of missing that little, you know, that, that the, the butterflies and the adrenaline and just, uh, just preparing for a, comp- a competition and stuff. So, and there's not really one on the horizon now either. So usually I like to kind of know when my next one is. So it gives me a, a little bit of focus in my training. So um, like I've, I've, I've spent the whole lockdown working hard and training hard and just focusing on, on some other stuff, which is, it's been great. I've put the time to good use, but yeah, I do. I do just miss the, the, the excitement of just having something coming up, you know, you're four, four, four or five weeks away from this big tournament. And then, then all of a sudden it's only two weeks away and, you know the sparring's hard, and you're pushing yourself to to spar with the better guys all the time, and get out of bad positions rather than just sandbagging in them. And you know all those little things, I'm definitely missing them. And I think it's like that's like a a personality trait that most competitive athletes probably have is just you know it, it, you kind of sort of have to feed that uh, that little demon in there that just wants all that that uh, those things, you know. So yeah. I'm missing that big time. Yeah, that's where is. is as I've been competing as like the time I've been competing is pushing on like even though I'm not that old at all uh, by any means but uh, like that's what I love more and most now is that like, like you said the warm up the, the putting the gear on the gear check the, that type of stuff just the buzz like the anticipation to stepping onto the floor like that's where I get most of it. like there's like you need that every so often yeah that process is just I, I love that I love competition day um, I love just the challenge of trying to keep your cool and and, and trying to focus and prepare yourself like, just mentally as well as anything else. The physical stuff is is grand. Like, I mean, I do it for a living, so I kind of, I know how to put a plan in place to get myself in shape, but I know how to, um, I know how to train so that my body feels good on competition day and, and whatnot, and I, I can perform. But the big challenge is the mental side, you know, and like, are you going out there too relaxed or are you going out there too amped up you've got to find that right balance you know and that whole process of warming up properly without burning out not getting too anxious dealing with all of the the, the nerves and the butterflies and 
I love all of that, you know, and I get, I get, I get off on that like big time, you know. That's that's one of my favorite things in the in the in the sport. So yeah, I'm missing it big time. But um, with a bit of luck, now we get we we get something soon, but might not be for the rest of this year, you know. Yeah, it sucks. And like being out 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 of competition for a while sucks. I think it was the year before last. I um I had a good time away from competition, um when I first got my brown belt, my brown belt. Two years, I think, or just more than two years. Um, I competed a couple of times, but then I, the rest of that year, me, like I tore my rotator cuff. So the rest of that year, I, I didn't know it was torn, but I knew there was a problem with it. So I was kind of stopping and starting with training, and I was in pain, and I couldn't really compete or whatnot. And eventually, I got found, and then I was able to sort of go fixing it then. So I competed and um. Yeah, it was great. Like you, you miss it when you can't do it, you know. So uh, all this time that's going by right now is time that we, like, yeah, could be fitting in some competitions usually. So it's it's it, it, it's difficult, but uh, I'm sure I'm not the only one feeling like that. Yeah, like what you've said about the Europeans and worlds. Like, how does that work? Like, who like who can register? Who can who can enter? Like, is it open? Is a is there a selection per country? Like, how many is there a certain limit per country who can go? What's the yeah, well, they're, they're open registration. Um, the IBJJF run the big ones, like the World Championships, the Nogi Worlds, the Europeans and all that. Um, at Black Belt Adult, you need to accrue a certain amount of points to qualify. So if the Europeans is in January 2020, you need to spend 2019. You have to, you'd have to enter X amount of their competitions. I don't know what how you accrue points. Maybe you have to medal once or twice i don't know or just just register and perform who knows but for all the other divisions um yeah yeah you just it's it's open entry you know you um you just you you book online you book your your register and you can kind of see the divisions when you go on their website you can see who's in it so if there's no one in your bracket maybe you'll you'll gamble first you'll take the plunge you'll register and people might see your name then and then sign up so like when you're in the older guy divisions like ours it's like sometimes you like depending on the size of the tournament, if it's like the Madrid Open or the, the Paris Open or something like that, you might you might only have one or two people in that bracket, whereas in the adult brackets, you'll have loads. But then, like, for the Europeans, you're guaranteed a, a nice chunky bracket, like Master 3, Brown Belt that I'd be in. I think last year probably had, like, 20 guys in it or something like that, which is which is unbelievable for, for, that, for that, you know. Like, the adult Blue Belt divisions would have well over 100 in each weight class. So they're quite they're quite stacked, you know. Yeah. And then the divisions are straight knockout. So you just get drawn against whoever you you win that fight. You go back to the bullpen, you sit down, you chill out until your name is called again. And the bigger the division, the longer recovery you'd have between fights because they have to get through quite a few of the the bracket before they come back around to you, you know. And uh, yeah, it's good. It's 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 just a great test. It's a great test of your uh, of what you've been doing all year, you know. It's I like one of the things I like about jujitsu is. It's a good testing ground, and there's no real way, there's no height in place. Like, you're in a martial art where you compete, you spar, so you know the crack. You basically, you can't bluff your way. Like, you're, you're not just doing katas, you know. You're uh, you're actually, you're learning something, and then you're seeing if it's going to actually work against someone, against an opponent who doesn't want you to do it to them. So it's, that's what I, I love about it, you know. Any, any martial art, like, like, sorry, I'm getting feedback there. Any, any sparring martial art, where you you have to kind of really test your metal. That's 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 really what I like, you know. So um, 
it's uh it's a great experience yeah competing and just dealing with that whole adrenaline that buzz it's fantastic you know yeah i like that you you would compete the whole you'd finish the bracket on the one day yeah, 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 yeah. So the the Europeans, for example, now runs over six days because it's so big. You might have, I think, do they have four or five thousand competitors in total, like over all of the divisions. It's one of the biggest biggest competitions. And um, so, like Monday, Tuesday might be all of the white belt divisions getting run off, and then your division is always just on on that one day. So, like at brown belt level and purple belt level, the last couple of years masters uh we were always on the friday which was great so you could go over like on thursday morning chill out for the day get an early night get up and compete the next day and then fly home on sunday whereas when you're back when we were blue belts and stuff we used to have to go over much earlier in the week and then if you wanted to stay to watch them you'd have to go there for the whole week you know and by the end of the week you'd be sick of looking at jujitsu like you'd be there for five or six days you'd be like oh, just get me home and wreck now at this stage but um yeah, no, you are. You're you're in and out, like so. Your your division would run off. In, it's inside of an hour or two, so you'll fight and then you'll be back on again, maybe 15, 20 minutes later, and back on again after that. You know, so it's tough. Yeah, multiple matches back to back is is uh, it's grueling. You know, you got to sort of you got you got to play the game, and you 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 can't go kind of. Well, you got to just get you get yourself in shape is the main thing because you. You can't be dead after one match and then expect to do well tournament wise. You've got to be able to handle a couple of different opponents and different styles and stuff. So it's fantastic like that. You know, it's, it's good to have tough challenges. Yeah. But that like our Europeans and worlds and that would be yeah, it would be the same. You start you you have your whole tournament maybe the final might be pushed back into kind of like a finals night or something, but pretty much it's probably going to be all run on the same day. But I know other martial arts then have maybe one fight a day until it's finished. Uh they're kind of nearly two different types of fitness then as well though like aren't they like the ability to be able to go back to back to back on the same day but then there's also maybe a different type of fitness to be able to compete consecutive mm. consecutive days once you like the adrenaline is worn off and you're starting to feel the aches and then the next day you have to get yourself warm and going again whereas you know the same day you may yeah. you don't have to dr- deal like with the dump the, um, you have to be fit as well to do it yeah the the imaf like the amateur mma um worlds and europeans and all that stuff what they do is they do like your division is run day after day after day and then on the starts on the monday and then on the sunday the final of the division is on so you'll be fighting on monday you'll have to weigh in that morning and then you'll fight that afternoon and then you have to weigh in the next morning for the next round if you won and you'll fight that afternoon and it's knockout so if you lose you're out and you're done but if you make it to the final you might have four or five consecutive days where you have a full mma fight three three minute rounds like in the cage and uh i can only imagine how that feels like um i'd say that's fairly brutal because mma is just so 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 tough on the body you know jiu-jitsu not so bad i find the big thing with jiu-jitsu when you're going through multiple matches is just getting yourself up mentally the second time and then the third time and then the fourth time it can be grueling like um I've had matches, like there's some tournaments here, uh, Grappling Industries have started putting tournaments on here for the, over the last two years, and they're brilliant. They put on three competitions last year and the year before, and when you register, what they do is they put you in a little group with like four guys. So if there's four other people in your division, you're going to fight all four of them, and then whoever has the most wins gets the gold. So you and like you'll get extra points if you submit someone. It's, it's like a league table, yeah. or I think that maybe they put the top two guys against each other then in a final, and you can register to compete in the gi, no gi, and when it's when you're my age, you can register at masters, masters no gi, 
adult adult nogi. So you can actually pick three or four different divisions. You just pay the extra ten or fifteen quid for each division. Um, so I did I did one there in um, I think it was the start of December, and what I did was I did the open weight in the gi and no gi, and then I did my weight class in the gi and no gi, and I had eight matches over the course of the day. And I'm I'm telling you, I was broken the next day. Like the the first four matches I had were within the first hour that morning because the divisions were running consecutively. I was running from mat to mat. They were calling me name when I finished one match. So I had four matches under the belt by 10 a.m. I was dead. And they were open weight as well. So the guys were like 10, 15 kilos heavier than me. I spent the afternoon just like, oh, shit, I'm wrecked. And then I'd come back for two matches in the afternoon and then two after that. So, um, yeah, it's good to be able to do that. But uh, you need to be well prepared. You need to be ready, you know. You need to be in good nick. Yeah. Tough. That sounds like sounds like great crack though. Like what a day, a great day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the good thing with those tournaments is um, when you're a brown belt or a black belt. I think grappling industries. Yeah, if you're a brown belt or a black belt, you compete for free. So you register, and because they've done that, so that a lot of a lot of coaches will sort of push their students then to pay and register. So like they'll they'll fill up the brown belt and black belt divisions, but then all the purples, and blues, and whites will register as well. You know. And they sort of make their money off that. So um, it's really good, yeah, yeah. So you get matches, you know, and you can sign up and you just don't have to pay a penny. So that, that's a nice, a nice novel sort of way of doing it. And fair play to them, you know, because the big ones, the IBJJF, like if you're registering to compete with Europeans, the registration fee alone is it's about €100. Euros. And then you also need to be registered with the IBJJF for the year, the membership, and that's about $40 or something like that. So, you know, it's a bit of a money racket. So um, it's nice that when once you reach sort of brown belt level, that people are, are giving you shit back for free. Like, it's it's quite cool. I won't, I won't turn that down, you know? There's some benefits to, to giving you, the, to putting in those years, like... Yeah, yeah, you want to get something <laughs> back rather than just a few broken bones and bruises and uh, a few concussions, you know? So uh, it's nice. It's nice to get the, the benefits. Yeah. So how long do you think you'll be till you till you get the black? Oh fuck knows. Um I wouldn't be uh like when you do jujitsu you're kinda the, the first couple of belts, like when you everyone's really eager to get their blue belt. And it can take you like you could get it like in a year or it might take you three years, you know, you'd be depending on how, on how much so it's different in every case. But everyone's mad eager to get that blue belt, you know. And the the, the joke within jujitsu is that everyone quits once they're a blue belt. Like, like so many people quit when, like obviously 90% of people quit when they're all white belt like because it's you go down to jiu-jitsu and you just get manhandled like uh, it, for you're going for a long time before anything works like you're just getting ragdolled all over the place like there's no uh, you're not beating up anyone within the first couple of months do you know what I mean until a new white belt comes in and then you know a few things and you put it on him you know and then another new white belt comes in and then you're putting it on him as well and then after a while you know you get a blue belt and that so you're always eager to get that belt. And then I remember getting me purple belt. I, I hit a really hot streak in competition and I got me purple belt. And I was like, oh, this is great. You know, you're loving the new belt. But then you kind of, you go to compete and you realize what you're coming up against. The level of those guys, technically, it's just, it's that's when things start getting serious. You know, once you reach purple belt, there's no easy fights anymore. I remember being a blue belt and like, like I would, I was middling there for a while. You'll win some matches, you'll lose some matches. And the, the standard would vary. So some guys would be great and they'd, they'd put you away in a flash. And then other guys would be shit and you'd beat lumps out of them. And, you know, there's a wide variety of standard there. But once you hit purple belts, it's like there's not that many poor purple belts out there. Everyone can, if you've made it that far, you can usually handle yourself, you know. 
So uh, I remember that jump up. And then, like, I was in absolutely no rush from there on. I didn't, I wasn't really too pushed about the belts. You start to, you lose that little kind of bug that makes you want to chase the belts. You know, you forget, you just go, right, don't worry about that. Just enjoy the whole training process now because if you just do it for long enough, they'll come. So, I don't mind if it's another little while yet, you know what I mean? Like I've um, put in a good few years, but look, who knows? There's there's guys that have put in a lot more than me and probably still aren't black belts, you know? So um, yeah, don't worry, I don't really mind. If I got it like in six months or a year, whatever, you know, I'd be happy to I'd be happy to just jump in and compete a black belt again, be no problem at all. Uh, but yeah, don't mind. I'm not too pushed either way. Yeah, would there be much of a jump up from the brown belt to black belt? I would imagine so. I'd say so, like as in a lot of the guys that are at the black belt level in the weight class I'd be at, I probably fought a lot of them um, as brown belts and as purple belts. Like I know a lot of guys are there and I've beaten some guys that are black belts now. So yeah, I think once you once you sort of hit brown belt level, everyone's fairly good anyway. So brown belts and black belts are great, but then there's a few outliers guys that have been doing it for so long and they're streets ahead of everyone else. Like there's levels, you know. There's, um, I know black belts that like, can fold me up and submit me five times in five minutes. And then there's black belts that will do the same thing to them. And then there's other black belts that will do the same thing to them. And that just keeps going, you know. There's, yeah. there's, it's scary. Like, you don't realize, you think you're getting good, but then, like, someone just butchers. Yeah, or, and, and effortlessly as well. A lot of guys will just, they'll do it without even breaking a sweat. And you can then do that to someone else, you know. And it's, it's very... Um, it's humbling, all right, but it's uh, jujitsu is just so technical, and like the way that like you're always learning new shit and discovering new shit or figuring out, oh wow, I didn't realize I could do this from here, and now this opens up eight different things that I can do from that position. And there's it's like Pandora's box. Every time you do something or figure out something new, then that opens up another different avenue to your game. So there's guys out there that have been doing it their whole lives, and they they could just they they, they could tie you up like they're tying their shoelaces. You know, it's they can do it without with their eyes closed and without even thinking. It's it's crazy. So um, yeah, at the highest level, like there's there's some some absolute scary guys out there. But look, jujitsu is it's a competitive martial art, so you kind of have to. I've always been the like anytime I've got a new belt, I've always been eager to go and compete at it. And and like I, a lot of guys get their new belt and they they shy away from competition. I'll wait a while. Maybe I'll, I'll wait six months. Maybe I'll wait a year before I get that water. But I think I've always competed like within a few weeks of getting me new belt. Um, I, I remember when I got my purple belt, I competed a week later. I jumped up two weight classes and I moved down to compete in the adult division just to get a couple of matches in and see what the level of those guys was like. And it was, you know, it was really, really good. And you, you, you sort of have to just throw yourself in there, just get the first one out of the way. And then, then the next one, and then the next one. And all of a sudden, you start sort of feeling comfortable in that that deep end of the pool, you know. So it'll be the same when black belt comes around. I think I'll be um I'd be eager to get going and see, you know, can I get a match up against some really, really, really high level black belt who's well known and then just perform okay, perform well, test myself against them, you know. You can't get hung up on oh shit, I might lose, I might lose. Because it's not like it's not like MMA or any striking martial art, like not going to get my head kicked in and get 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 a massive concussion, you know. So, uh, <laughs> like you're, you get in trouble, all you do is you do that, you tap, and and there's your ejector ejector seat cord. So you're you're good. So it's a, it's a good test, you know. I don't think there's anything to be worried about. Just I'm looking forward to it whenever it does happen. Yeah, 
Like we see that a lot in Taekwondo people even they get to, like their grandmother competing as color belts but they get the black belt and, so, and sometimes they'll they'll kick the can down the road right I won't compete the, the, the first competition I won't compete this time I'll go to the next one but then there's the next one the next like there's always the next one and then before you know it they, they stop competing whereas the people who stick around and tend to are the ones who go just straight ash or look I don't care like you said I don't care how it goes I'll just jump in and just get stuck in when you can as soon as you can yeah, like I, I'm very lucky in that where I train, like there's a lot of gyms. If you walk into a lot of gyms wearing a brown belt or a black belt, they're, they're, they might have a black belt coach and then that'd be it. And the majority of people in the gym might be blue belts, one or two higher belts. That's the vast majority of gyms. Where I train, I think we have the most black belts per single gym in the country. I think we've got at least 15 now in the whole gym. Like. And like, as I was saying earlier, when I started, there was only two in the whole country, you know? Yeah. So there's nights when you'll go down to the gym and there might be five black belts on the mat, five or six brown belts, five or six purple belts. And then there might be one or two white and blue belts. And you just feel sorry for those poor motherfuckers because they're just getting, <laughs> they're getting passed around the gym all night, you know? So I find that like, if you're training for a competition, if I go into the gym, I'm very lucky in that there's a lot of those higher belts are similar weight class to me. They're within within maybe eight or ten kilos of my weight. So if I'm training for a competition, I can go in there and I go, right, we're doing eight rounds of sparring tonight. And I can just make a mental note of who's there, who's the who's the black belts and the brown belts that are like 75 kilos. Right, I'm going to get a round in with him and I'll get a round in with him and I'll get a round in with him. So if you're doing that repeatedly and you're making yourself do that, you know, um, a lot of people can sort of do it the other way. They go, I'll avoid him and I'll avoid him. <laughs> they'll, they'll pick <laughs> yeah. the lighter rounds, the easier rounds. But I, I, I just don't have that, that trait really for in me, me personality, especially if I'm competing. And I know there's a competition coming up and I know I'm going to have to fucking do it in, in front of people. I might as well do it in the gym and get it done. So I force myself to, to go with those, but those really good guys that are going to give me a hard time. So then when you go to compete, that's this guy is the guys that I've been doing with for the last few weeks. And, and it's great, you know, like, um, a couple of me mates, like I'm, I'm barely back training jujitsu at the moment, but I'm, I'm training with a couple of mates, um, because we're, we're, we're all fairly flat out busy, so we're sort of meeting up and training little sneaky private sessions. And the guys are just animals, you know, like one's a, one's a black belt, the other guy's a brown belt, and we're all training since the day one together. And uh, it's be the hardest rounds you'd get anywhere, anyway. So it's like once you're doing that all the time, you're, you're being honest and putting the hard work in with those guys. There's nothing really to be too scared of once you then you go into competition, you know. You yeah. just uh, you just gotta prepare properly. Yeah, once you have belief, I suppose, in in your preparation and belief in the people you're training with, then the competition becomes easier. Yeah, yeah, that's a lot of people do that. Like I said, they they sort of they call themselves maybe in the gym. They sort of sandbag. They pick the easier rounds, and then they'll they'll just constantly do that, and then. Maybe, you know, they'll get to a good position during the role and you can sort of find positions where you can rest a little bit. And, you know, I've got this guy tied up in my half guard now. He's locked up. He can't pass it. But I'm just going to I'm going to wait it out here a little bit. Maybe I'll sweep him with 10 seconds to go rather than, you know, forcing themselves, really push the push the pace on the round. And if if you're competing, and I think you need to do things like that. You need to go on the front foot. You need to put yourself in bad positions and then force yourself to get out of them. There's a lot of subtle things that you can do yourself to, to to really sort of bring your game on and get ready for competition. I think a lot of people sort of, they lie to themselves and they sort of, they, they skip that, you know. Oh, I went to the gym and I did 10 rounds. Yeah, but 
what were the ten rounds like? Were you were you were you keeping score? Like if, if I'm in there and I'm rolling, I'd be going right. This guy has me swept. If this was a match, I'd be two points down. There's two minutes left. I have to get out from this bottom position now. That clock is running out. You know, I'd make myself. I'd give myself little challenges like that. Particularly when I'm when I'm training for a competition, that's when I really kind of enforce those sort of things on myself. And um, yeah, a lot of guys just don't. They don't do that. They sort of coast through their rounds, just just clock up the minutes and not really not really make them as valuable as they could be. You know, and I think that's that's a big a big problem for a lot of people because th- that'll make you nervous when you go to compete. You'll be nervous and anxious then because deep down you'll know you'll know you didn't work as, as hard as you could have. I think that's why a lot of people suffer with it, with anxiety and nerves before a competition. Whereas if you've if you've done the the slog properly, honestly, you can tell yourself when the nerves start and the butterflies start, it's okay. It's be cool, be calm. You've done this, you do this all the time. It's um it's important to do that, you know, especially if you compete. Yeah. Do you have a preference gi versus no gi? Um I like watching no gi because it's more exciting look at gi stuff can be very unless you really understand the intricacies of it it can be a bit like dull to watch but for playing it i love i love um training in the gi because i'm a bit older now and i don't train as much like when i was younger i used to sort of train i'd be on the mat six times a week so you get to do a bit of both and, and i was doing a bit of mma and stuff and you get to play with all of them now me, me training time is limited if i'm on like at the moment i'm on the mat twice a week um, I would have that usually between three and four would be the most my body could really handle before I start breaking down. So um, I kind of, you sort of have to pick one or the other if you're going to compete. So it, I nearly, it's nearly all gi that I train. Um, it's a very different game because you're using the jacket and the sleeves and the pants and there's so many different guards that you can use and submissions that you can use in the gi that are just not applicable whatsoever in no gi, you know. A lot of it does cross over, but there's a huge amount that doesn't. And, um, yeah, so you sort of have to – you pick one horse and you ride that horse if you don't have time to ride the two of them. But um, I find that when I compete – like that, that competition I was saying earlier where it was eight matches, I um, the vast majority of those were, were no games. Oh, it didn't go well because I wasn't training any no games. So it was, I was all over the place. I was like a fish out of water, you know. So, uh, yeah, it's um, – yeah, I, I I do prefer training in the gi. I have to say, but you get this shit. You get the the knuckles are all smashed up on your fingers, and they they look like they're after being through uh through a mincer. So uh, yeah, you pay the price, you know. Yeah, I can't remember. I can't remember. Was it a Joe Rogan episode? I can't remember. I was watching something recently, and they showed the same. Like the the, the knuckles, and they're they're in pieces. Yeah. Yeah, and I found just because uh, usually they you don't feel it because if you're doing it week in week out for years, they're just calloused and you don't yeah. feel a thing. But there, whatever it was, three, four weeks ago when we. think they were like corned beef. Um, the skin just has to, like even now, they're still a little bit tender to touch. The skin just has to get used to that shit again, you know. Because like, especially the, the game I would play, I tie people's sleeves up, I tie people's pants up. And you're, the, the type of grip you use, it's like, it's really, really rough on there and the, the materials are quite brutal on the on the skin so yeah the skin just has to get used to them again you know yeah it tends to be for, my, for myself in an our sport it tends to be the shins clashing legs and stuff there's a, a couple of weeks of not doing that like when you're doing it regular you don't feel it you just keep going but after a couple of weeks not you, you just get that ding on the shin and you're like oh it takes a little bit of getting used to yeah. <laughs> 
you're not conditioned then for a little while because yeah. after the pandemic did you uh train much during the pandemic uh very little very little at all um yeah didn't do a whole lot at home but uh yeah we're getting back into it now thankfully it's uh it's been much better yeah there's it's a lot of the jiu-jitsu people were going insane like i um i kind of put the time to good use what i did for the first while was i brought i've just right before we locked down properly i brought a bunch of kettlebells home and i spent kind of maybe five or six weeks just kind of uh working with kettlebells and that keeps me busy because i just can't sit still like if i'm if i don't train for a couple of days like I'm, I'm, I, I start just, yeah, I'm not good to be around. Like it's not good for me head. So I was slogging away on kettlebells and stuff. And I've also been doing a yoga teacher training course um, online over the whole pandemic. So that's given me a bit of time to work on that. And then once we sort of realized that, okay, this lockdown is going to go on for a while, I just kind of gutted out uh, some of the stuff from me, Jim. I brought home a squat rack, bars, plates, the whole lot, and just set everything up in my backyard because I have a nice and closed backyard. So I've kind of put that to good use over the last while. So it's just full on strength and condition and a bit of running. And that sort of kept me sane, you know. But I tried to do, there's body weight jujitsu workouts you can do. There's like solo drills. And some guys were running online classes, doing them and stuff. And I did a couple, but it's just the novelty wore off pretty fast because, yeah, it's just not the same as trying to strangle someone and then trying to <laughs> strangle you. It's not the same crack, you know. You're 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 um you're popping around. You're there's a punch bag out there with a gi jacket wrapped around it, and there's a load of drills you can do with it. But yeah, once you've done them a few times, yeah, the novelty's gone, you know. So uh, yeah, everyone's just glad to be back actually doing what they love rather than uh, faking it, you know. Yeah. So like, when then did you kind of start to really combine your strength and conditioning kind of background as well with the Brazilian Jiu Jitsu? Was that kind of always was it something you kind of was, once you started Jiu Jitsu that kicked off kind of straight away or? yeah well I've, I've been doing it living sort of most of my adult life um long, long time you know 20 yeah well over 20 years i've been doing it for a living and um, more seriously i've been self-employed in it for the last maybe 15 years or so so um running my own gig and stuff so the majority of people i would train would be sort of people um like the age profile of the majority of my clients would be 30s 40s 50s so I tend to deal with a lot of people who compete in various sports, like um, there's quite a few of them do like triathlons and Ironmans and stuff. And then just a lot of people who want to be in good shape, maybe have a ropey back or a dodgy shoulder and stuff. So I kind of transitioned there a couple of years ago to sort of training jujitsu athletes as well. Um, I, I got a few guys to run as guinea pigs for an online uh, program that I did in the run-up to the Europeans a couple of years ago, and it was great. So since then, I've been training guys remotely, like as in like online clients and stuff, like jiu-jitsu guys, predominantly guys like myself who compete at master's level and have injury issues to deal with and kind of keeping an eye on how much volume they're doing, how much they're, uh, how they're combining it with their jiu-jitsu training. So um yeah it's, it's really cool you know and it's interesting but um i do uh i do a lot obviously i do it a lot myself and that you know the big focus would be mobility working around injuries because we're all injured we're all injured at jiu-jitsu like everyone everyone has a fucked up knee or a bad back or a, or a rotten shoulder so um yeah it's i find it's great because it gives me a challenge then when i'm designing someone's program i sit down and have a zoom call with them like this and to go through their list of what's broken what, what what can we do and what can't we do and then i have to put a roadmap together for them so really good challenge you know and it's, it's a, a, a love uh, 
I love getting good feedback off the guys. Then guys do well in competitions, and they're gonna get texts. You know, I'm like, fucking great. I got a gold medal at the weekend. You're, thanks for your program. That really helped and stuff. So it's a really cool feeling, you know. Um, it gives me a good buzz. Yeah. So what kind of st- what kind of elements would you have in a kind of BJJ specific kind of program? Would it be just generally your like your I suppose run of the mill kind of compound exercises, or is there is there anything kind of specific you have in a program for a jiu-jitsu athlete? Yeah, well, it'll depend on the individual athlete because what one guy can do, maybe the other guy can't do. You know, so um, what I do is I I pick the the major human movements, the primary human movements, which would be upper body push and upper body pull. So I'll I'll, I'll figure out what exercises suit that that person best to perform those maybe it's a bench press maybe it's not i'll give you an example now i was saying earlier i have a, a rotator cuff issue i tore that rotator cuff so i don't bench press with a, a straight bar because that pronated grip puts the shoulder into internal rotation and this is a problem people from striking sports have always had as well you get that unevenness in the shoulders you get that hunch that internal rotation so sometimes that bench pressing just causes more shoulder problems than it's worth so for me, what I do is I do a lot of floor pressing where you're lying on your back on the floor and you've limited range of motion rather than bringing the shoulder back here where that creates a bit of, that's called the glenohumeral glide where your shoulder doesn't have the movement so it adjusts itself upwards. I kind of work away with versions that do, do work for me. I also use a Swiss bar, which has parallel handles so I don't have to turn my hands over. Um, I use dumbbells and kettlebells for presses. I use push-up variations, loaded push-up variations, so there's a lot that I can do. I don't focus so much on what I can't do. Uh, there's certain types of squats that I can do and certain ones that I can't. Um, uh, so with the lower body, you'd be doing knee-dominant movements like squats, split squats, lunges, and then hip-dominant movements like deadlifts, trap bar deadlifts, Romanian deadlifts, things like that. So I figure out for each individual client what, what would suit you best, like where are your injuries and what would we be best avoiding and what would we be best working with and get them strong in all of those areas. Also, uh, a little bit of work on grip. Like, I don't give get guys to go overkill. A lot of guys do crazy amounts of stuff for their grip, but, like, when you're training jiu-jitsu, you're already training the shit out of your grip. So what tends to happen is you pick up injuries in the forearm, the muscles of the forearm, the elbows, tendonitis. If you're overdoing it, like if you're going into the weight room and doing four or five different grip exercises, it can, it's it's like you're compounding the issues you're already creating when you spar. So I do a little bit of work for grip on a lot of guys. The main one would be I get them to do a lot of pulling, upper body pulling, because we, we compete a lot. Like the position we'd be in, we have shoulder like you guys would be well or boxers and MMA fighters would be shoulders are hunched so the, the upper back becomes a little bit weak uh, the shoulders and the chest become a little bit inflexible and that's where the shoulder injuries and back injuries tend to, to kind of stem from so I do a lot of posture correction work just getting guys functioning better as human beings and athletes a bit of mobility not crazy amounts but enough to kind of keep their body functioning and recovering well the big problem I find with jiu-jitsu athletes and, and people in, in any kind of combat sport is they try to turn strength and conditioning into competition. So they feel like they, they didn't do a good workout unless they're fucked after it, unless they're lying on the ground in a, in a ball. Whereas it's not, I don't really train that way myself. I sort of, I train to improve the structure that I have. And when I'm on the mats, I put the, I put the hard work in and I'm dead after rolling. But when I'm lifting weights, I don't. It's not the same. I I'd lift heavy-ish, and I I try to get myself stronger. But I want to leave a little bit in the tank so that 
when I go to roll the next day, I'm able to roll. You know, you you kind of have to find the right amount and and work with that and and not go overkill, especially as an older athlete. You know, that's a, a big issue for people. Yeah, yeah. It's funny you kind of said that as well. I read only something is a he's a strength and conditioning coach and PT. He has it. He's from Taekwondo himself, but he had something on. I think I saw it on his Instagram page. Like, you, if you're an athlete, you nearly need to work on in the weight room. Work on your eighty percent. Repetit max, right? You know, eighty percent repetition. Give your eighty percent efforts, and your your max efforts in reps and stuff. That's for sport specific. You need to work at like eighty mm, percent in the weight yeah. room. And yeah, a lot of guys just they just kill themselves in the weight room, you know. And it's they do crazy difficult circuits. A lot of guys watch the Ultimate Fighter too much back in the day, and they they see these guys killing themselves on the old airline bike and doing mad circuits and puking into the bin in the corner of the gym, and they think that's what they got to be doing, but. It's not really, and especially if you're over 30, your ability to recover, like your 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 training capacity is like a, a pint of water. There's only so many times you can spill some water out of it before it's gone. So you've only got X amount that you can, X amount of water you can spill before the week is over, you know, and you don't want to empty that jar completely. Um, so that's what you got to do. You sort of got to, you got to prioritize your sport specific training. So if you're walking into the gym to, to spar, and you're exhausted and you're sparring at like 50% of what you could be doing, you're not really getting your body conditioned for those high intensity sparring that, that you're going to be doing when you compete. You need to be able to go in and you need to be able to spar at feeling good. You know, you need to be able to step up through the gears and put, put a hard pace on people and withstand that pace. So your strength and conditioning should complement that. It should fix your weak spots and get you a bit stronger, get you a little bit more conditioned, but you should be putting in the majority of your hard work on the mats. But a lot of people sort of forget about that. They think strength and conditioning should be, it should be absolute murder on your body, whereas I just, I don't, I don't, because I don't recover well if I do it that way, you know. I've, lear- I've learned all these things the hard way over the years as well, you know. You sort of, you figure this out pretty soon. Yeah. Supplementary work, I suppose, is what it should be recognised as. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I find yoga is great as well. Like, I don't do huge amounts of it. I do short amounts of it most days. Um, but it just helps you recover a lot because, especially our sport, it's quite compressive. You have people lying on top of you, and then when you're lifting weights, you got a bar on your back. You're lifting heavy deadlifting and stuff. So and there's a lot of compressive force throughout your spine and your your joints. Um, so and we're being folded up in all sorts of different angles when we're rolling in jiu-jitsu as well so your body needs to decompress your spine would be very happy for you to to actually stretch and relax and work on your breathing and open up your thoracic spine and and fit you know loosen things out a little bit better like i'm not crazy on, on huge amounts of static stretching because you don't need crazy amounts of flexibility for jiu-jitsu because flexibility on its own is is no real use in that type of sport. Like flexibility is your ability to stretch out while you're passive and relaxed. Whereas in jiu-jitsu, if we're being folded over, we're not passive. We need strength in these positions. So you need to be able to improve the movement quality, but it has to be active, not not passive. So mobility drills are great. There's plenty of stuff you can do. It's not just relaxed, passive stretching. You can work through plenty of yoga positions, being able to breathe, but being able to move properly as well. So just getting your hips and your spine used to doing things like that in small doses is is good. You know, take care of them because, yeah, the old backs are a big problem in jiu-jitsu. A lot of people pick up back problems, you know? Yeah. 
In terms of conditions, so you guys probably get a lot of knee issues, do you? Uh, sorry, a lot of what? In your sport, would there be a lot of knee issues or hip? Would they be the main problems? Uh, knees, hips, ankles, that kind of stuff. I think tends to be what what tends to go. Yeah, because it's quite ballistic, and you're constantly just moving, and you're 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 on your feet a lot, isn't it? So um, those joints are absorbing, like they're absorbing. I think it's about eighty percent of your of your body weight through 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 those joints a lot of the time. So it's um it's quite tough on them, especially if you're constantly moving. So over time, they 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 do get worn out, and they do uh they do break down. So the same in our sport, you have specific areas of the body that take the most punishment. Like I said, the shoulders, the backs, and the knees just get uh. They get a bit uh, messed up over time. If you're at it long enough, it happens, you know. So they have to be taken care of. I mean, my plan is to still be able to roll in 10 years or 15 years. So like I said earlier, I want to still be able to maybe compete the odd time when I'm that age as well. So it'll be a nice novel uh, thing to do. So, um, yeah, you've got to start looking after them now is the, is the thing, you know. Yeah. Like then how would you go about conditioning then for BJJ? Because obviously if you're a stand-up sport, you could maybe, you could practice it, you can train your, obviously you're, general cardio base from running or the bike or whatever but then you have like if sport specific you could be hitting the bag you could have your intervals on the bag or on the pads and that'll train you know your your condition for striking but like what what, what would you do in terms of them for jiu-jitsu for that kind of condition is it just roll just sparring just yeah. get the, the rounds in or is there anything else like that you would add yeah in? i find that that's the best way and um, as i was saying earlier um if you are being honest in your rounds and picking the right guys and maybe doing little things like starting in a bad position or challenging yourself to outscore this other guy when you roll with him, that can make such a difference, you know. Um, I would do strength work, mobility work um, a couple of times a week. Like if I'm at the moment, like that's most of what I'm doing. I'm doing a little bit of jujitsu, but usually when there's competitions on the horizon, it's the other way around. I'll be doing jujitsu maybe four days a week and I might do strength work twice a week, you know. I'll do a light bit of mobility most days, just more to loosen out everything that hurts and that's sore. Um, and I, I will, when I'm in the run-up to a competition, those kind of six weeks in the run-up to a competition, I'll do a bit of low-intensity aerobic work. So that might be 40 minutes of um, just kind of steady-state work where I'm keeping my heart rate at a comfortable level. That's just to build that aerobic base. So You've got your three different systems. You've got your aerobic base, okay, and then you've got your electric one, which is those short and dynamic bursts. And I'm talking like less than 10 seconds. So if you're training those in interval training, you might be on a, a salt bike or a rower. It might be like a 10 second high intensity sprint, lots of resistance, and you might spend one or two minutes active recovery. So you can do little bits like that if you need to work on that sort of energy system. Like it depends on the individual. Some people don't need to work on that. They just need to fill up the gas tank. They need to work on the low intensity, the aerobic base. And the, the middle ground, sort of your glycotic system, it's like your ability to go and stop and go and stop and go and stop. I, you get a lot of that if you're rolling properly. You know, you'll get your body just conditioned to, to that. You know, put, be, be ready to push that pace when you roll. Make sure you're, you're putting those efforts in. So for someone like me, who's your, your time is limited to, to fit everything in, you can you sort of have to pick what needs to you need to work on most and do that. Whereas if you have someone who's maybe a full time athlete, you can spend a little bit of time working on everything over the week. You know, you get guys who have the freedom to train twice a day, six days a week. Fair play to them, but uh, <laughs> unfortunately, I've got a job and a family to to, to worry about. But um, yeah, mostly what I would do is for me, I just do a little bit of aerobic, lower uh, lower level energy system work. So that's I might be on the bike on the rowing machine, comfortable level where you can speak. But what you're doing there is you're, you're, you're improving your aerobic base and that improves your ability to recover 
between fights, when you have multiple fights, that's a big difference. The better your aerobic base, the faster you'll recover. But if we're going to the gym, we're doing eight rounds of rolling, 10 rounds of rolling, I'll recover quicker between rounds because I've worked on my aerobic base. I didn't have to do lots of really hard puke in the bin type of work. I just had to do some steady state cardio to, to build that up. And then when I'm doing my strength work, there'll be a bit of dynamic work in there, kettlebell swings, ball slams. So I'm getting that little bit of work on the higher end of that scale. You know, you kind of got to pick and choose your weapons. Um, running, running is good as well. You know, it's, 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 it's great. Um, when you're sparring hard a lot, I tend to not run, not, I tend to gravitate a little bit away from running. Joints are already taking a beating. Like if yeah. I'm sparring four days a week, the knees and the low back are probably going to feel it then. If I add in a couple of runs a week, it can be tough. Whereas, um, yeah, if I'm doing a little bit less rolling like I'm doing now, running is fine. I throw it in there. I, I, I find it comfortable enough. So, yeah, it always depends on the individual, you know? Yeah. Uh, do, do, is there many, like, jiu-jitsu specific strength and condition coaches or do you find because like, I think a lot of times especially in, as well, in any sports it's you go onto maybe YouTube or whatever and you look up like what the bodybuilders are doing and that's what most people run with so would there be anybody like would there be many people I suppose jiu-jitsu specific coaches that people go to and have a specific program or would that be the same as you know just go to YouTube and look at what the bodybuilders are doing yeah I've seen a few around um, through social media I've gotten to know quite a few guys in the UK and stuff that are, are doing that like there's guys that are working a lot with MMA fighters and grapplers um, and like myself I'm, I'm, I'm doing a good bit of it here as well not a whole lot around Ireland uh, one or two people I know do a little bit with some guys but no one that really specialises in it um, that I can think of off the top of my head maybe I'm just forgetting one or two of them but uh big one that would be really well known would be uh, Phil Daru is um he was with American top team in the States, so he did like Dustin Poirier and Junior Sigano and those guys in the UFC. He trains a glut of uh, UFC level fighters, so and he he, he um he trains a lot quite a few jiu jitsu guys as well. Um yeah, there's quite a few around if you do if you do your research online. Anyone who's listening does jiu jitsu, give us a shout if you need to dig out. But uh I, I, I love it because I kind of I already have my sort of my business in place and I have all my clients so I kind of trained the jiu-jitsu guys as me sort of me fun uh, project you know I started it as a little project and like I said earlier I got a few guys that I got just got in as sponsored athletes I trained them for a few months in the run-up to the Europeans and everybody did fucking fantastically at, the, at that competition and it gave me a great chance to sort of figure out how it, how it was like what it was like to work with guys and get feedback from them and how they were feeling in the run-up to tournaments, what worked and what didn't. So I found that was great, and I've just kept that going going forward. Usually at this time of the year, I'd be running like an online group where we'd be starting now with the view to getting ready for Europeans January 2021, but we don't know if it's even going to be on. So I'm going to wait wait another month or two, see if we get some inkling that that might be on, I'll probably, I'll probably start running something like that. I'll set up. That the, what we did the last couple of years, we set up a private Facebook group, picked a, a group of athletes that were going to do it. Uh, the guys, a few guys signed up, and um, we just kept everyone in a little group, and I just kept them updated day in day out. This is what we're doing this week, guys, and give me feedback. And then we chop and change each person's individual program to suit their workload. Really good. Um, yeah, a lot of the guys are more conscious of it now, and I think when people are getting a little bit older as well, that's why I like working with masters athletes. They're more likely take on board what you're saying they're less likely then to go on try and break their bodies down in the gym because they're already uh, riddled with injuries so they they need that little bit of guidance in that respect you know so it's um 
it's fun. It's fun. Yeah, it's it's nice to work with people that are sort of t- that think along the way, along the same lines that you do. You know, they they, they want to compete as well, and they they want to prepare for competitions. It's exciting, you know. Yeah, they don't have the ignorance of youth on their side. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You get a lot of guys like that. I've worked with a couple of fighters and stuff that were younger and. They just, they, they don't listen, you know. Uh, I went off and I did like fucking 15 rounds of sparring last night. Yeah, but yesterday was rest day. You told me it was rest day. Ah, yeah, but then, no, no, it's grand. Like some guys just, they, they, they want to do it all and they're broken down. Then they come in and they can't do anything, you know. So it's, guys who are a bit older have a bit more common sense, you know. There's, um, they get, they, most times they can listen to you a bit more than the than, other than ones. And they, they'll be less likely to be kind of out on the lash all weekend and, and, and stand you up for a, a session and all that kind of stuff. So uh, it's good to uh, it's good to work with guys who put in the work and they're reliable. One of the stipulations I had when I first did that that online group, as I said, I, I, get, I trained the guys for free that first year. And what I did was I said, right, guys, anyone who's signing up, just apply to me, shoot me a message. I'm taking on three guys. They need to be purple belt or higher. And they need to be over the age of thirty because I wasn't dealing with any any um, anyone who was, you know, just young, free, and single, likely to just be on the lash half the time and not do the work. Um, I wanted guys who I knew and guys who I knew would be in it would would be taking it serious. Guys who I knew had competed at that level multiple times, so it was good to work with guys who I knew just had that dedication. They'll be there. They'll be there trying to win a medal, so they're going to do the work if I if I work with them, you know, and. Um, Coaching's a two-way street. You need guys that aren't just going to take a workout off you and do it blindly. You need to kind of go back and forth with them. They'll tell you how they're feeling and how they're recovering. Like, what can we change here? What do you like here? What, what's working for you and what's not, you know? Um, and it's the same if you're, if you're coaching an athlete in any sport as well. You sort of just need that. You need that little bit of uh, you need that little bit of feedback and you need a good relationship, not just a dictatorship, you know? Yeah. I think even sometimes you see the like I said, I suppose maybe with the older athletes is that they, or they can be willing to offer that information that uh, maybe younger, it's like, oh, well, they don't want to say, I'm, I'm, I'm not feeling the best today. Like, they don't want to say, oh, I'm tired or that session was heavy there. Like, it's kind of, you want to have that, I suppose, Nelly Bravado and say, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. I can, I can handle all the sessions. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Like, you need, you need a bit of honesty and a bit of proper feedback, you know. Um, like, I, I tend to listen to my body, like, there's days like today, I just wake up and there's days I'll just know this is the day I'm going to have a rest day, you know. And I've learned over the years, don't, like I used to go ignore that. No, I need to push through on this. I need to I need to train today. And then you go and you do it. And then you, the following day you go train again and something gets injured, you know. So you kind of learn over time. You need to, you learn to listen to your body and, and when to respond. And I'm going to spar tomorrow and the body was exhausted today. I'm up since half five this morning. Hands were full. I could have squeezed in a workout at one point. I'm like, no, just just chill, just chill. You have a lot on your plate today, and you have a tough training session tomorrow. Listen to your body, do that, and I'll feel better for it tomorrow. You know. So um, when you get older, you you do you do have that common sense. So that's why I like working working with guys like that, guys who just they they, they know their, their their own bodies and they'll be able to work with you, and then and not just kind of try and do your whole program that you sent them. Try and do it all inside two days rather than spread it out over the week. You know. So it's yeah, you gotta. You gotta play it properly and, and, and treat your body well if you want to be in the game for a long time. Yeah, yeah. I've had that. I have. I was only talking to somebody else on last year or the other day, and uh, I was saying to them as well. Like, I used to when I was, I suppose, eighteen, nineteen, twenty. I could come into it and, and 
not warm up and just go straight in and I could kick into a session, I kick grand or whatever and no injuries wouldn't be a problem but as I'm starting to get like a 25 now but I'm starting to kind of feel that if I don't warm up it's a, it's a fine line it's like I could get away with not warming up I could get through the session be grand but if I don't warm up and get loose it, it could easily go the other way and I could be injured and next thing you're kind of you're in a heap for the next week or two trying to recover so it's kind of like like that you, you, you can get away with it for so long but slowly but surely things start catching up with you you have to be a little bit smarter that's it, yeah, and it's just applying a few basic common sense principles to your training. Like I've always been a fan of the the, the idea that like the earlier you start treating your body like you're forty, then the longer you'll you'll be able to perform for. Like so, like what I need to do now, I can't just run in and warm up. I need to get if I arrive in the jujitsu classes on, I'll take five ten minutes to go through just a nice mobility routine for the full body. I'll move around and then I'll jump into the class and I can go then. I'm all good. And I need to do a little bit of recovery work. I need to rehydrate. I need to get proper sleep. And if I don't do those things, I'm not going to feel good. I'm not going to be able to train properly then. My, my performance level over the rest of the week will drop drastically. So like the earlier you start sort of doing all those little things, the longer you'll you'll probably be able to uh, to keep going in the sport. You know, it'll it'll stand to you further down the line rather than accruing a load of injuries while you're young and then go, oh Jesus, I wrecked my body over the last 10 years. Now I'll start looking after myself, you know? But yeah. we all do it the wrong way around. <laughs> we all learn the hard way. Yeah, I suppose it's, a, it is like that. You, you don't listen, you have to, you have to, like you said, you have to learn the hard way. You have to do it yourself before you, you kind of realise like it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like you skin in the game. It, I, I, I learned all these things from doing them the wrong way around. And like, like people that think like, like all uh, my Instagram, I just post stuff, you know, pictures of me training, pictures of me training. People probably just train like a maniac. It's not really the case. Like I train as much as I need to train, but I don't overtrain. I, I, I'm very wary of overtraining. You know, I work, I find the right balance and I just work within that balance. That's all I do. And it's consistent. Like there's not a week goes by over the years where I'm not doing something, a training, a training, a training, a training. But it's just, I'm not. I'm not wearing my body out too much. There's there's weeks when I do hit the point where I'm a bit worn out, but most times it's it's not like that. I'm not just like flat out twice a day, six days a week. I am I am finding the right balance that works for me and staying with that. And I'm just being consistent, you know. So um yeah, you can see a lot of people on Instagram look like they're non-stop training, but like you gotta read between the lines. Maybe they're just training smart, maybe they're looking after themselves, and that's why they're they're able to get in good shape and able to get uh able to perform well at certain levels of competition and that you know you gotta you gotta tread good tread um you gotta you, you gotta find the the right way to do it rather than just going through it blindly you know hard it's not all about just hard work it's about smart work and hard work yeah like that you can't just take the get your your the full picture from instagram you know a, a couple of videos of what a workout doesn't give the full picture even the exercises that somebody's doing like it might look ridiculous or it might look like oh it's a game changer but maybe you don't know why they're doing those exercises and that type of stuff so you know instagram doesn't give you the full picture yeah and you see some mad shit on there anyway you know like it's just <laughs> just a, it's just a gallery for showing off a little bit really you know so uh yeah don't you're as well off getting your advice from someone who knows what they're talking about like you know from taekwondo basically if someone trains taekwondo three times a week week in week out for 10 years they're going to be very good whereas you'll get people that'll come along and they'll try to train every day and then they get pissed off and bored and they get sick of it or they'll pick up injuries and they'll go away for a while and then they'll come back 
six months later, do it for another while, come up, disappear off again. Those people sort of never really progress. Whereas if you're just like you're, you're week in, week out, some, sometimes you might only get in once or twice a week. Sometimes it might be more, but if you're consistent and you, you rarely ever miss a week for years on end, those are the guys that are just, they're, they're the guys that are just the best. You know, they're the guys that have the most knowledge, the most skill. It doesn't happen by accident. It's it's consistency over, it's long-term consistency over short-term intensity. Yeah, definitely. I think actually we'll nearly wrap it up there. But before we kind of, before we do, I, I, I tend to ask everybody if they had to pick their, your favorite fighter, who would you pick? It could be a jiu-jitsu player. It could be, I don't know, a boxer. It could be an MMA fighter. But if you had to pick a favorite fighter, who would you, who would you pick? That's a good one. It, it, it always changes. Um, I think after the weekend, I'm going to go with Rose Namajunas. Did you see her fighting at the weekend? Yeah. I fucking love watching Rose Namajunas. And every time she fights, I always just go, holy shit, this girl is good. Like, And she's just likable. Yeah. She just there's no bullshit with her just cut off all her hair keep it simple I don't because people I think were commenting on her being real pretty and stuff back in the day she she looked nice she had a nice little haircut and stuff and she was just known as that good looking one and then she just went fuck this cut her hair off keep it simple live a simple life don't get glammed up don't turn up always covered up in makeup just keep it simple be a proper martial artist and when she fights it's just but the, the fights she had with Joanna on Jacek were just amazing. She knocked the fuck out of her in the first one. And the second one was five-round war. And the, the skill level is great. I can't wait to see her fighting. She's going to fight Zhang Wei Li. Uh, did you see Zhang Wei Li and Joanna? Yeah. Yeah. That, that was just amazing. She's probably on the list as well. The female fighters in that division, scary. Like Jessica Andrade, who fought her the other day. Like, that's that's a division of killers. Like, And the skill level is, is higher than it is in a lot of the men's divisions. And, uh, yeah, I, I think she's top of the list right now. It changes. We'll see how the fights over the next week go. There's quite a few fights coming up, isn't there? Yeah, just fight card tomorrow night. So uh, that'd be good as well. One thing I, I always mm. for, I had forgotten kind of because it's been a, a while since Rose fought. Like, it's like I had forgotten how good she was, and I was always like, "Shit, she's fucking classic." You know what I mean? Just I just had forgotten because it's been so long since she fought. Everything is just so clean and calm and technical. I loved her first fight with Joanna when she knocked her out. Because Joanna was doing the whole intimidation, bully tactics thing. And she just kept her cool. And I remember seeing an interview. She had this mantra that she was saying to herself over and over. It was something along the lines of conditioning. Oh, it was like three or four words. Calm, conditioning, champion. Something like that, you know. Yeah. And she just kept mumbling it to herself over and over. And some prayer that she was saying. And Joanna was screaming in her face. She was just keeping the cool, keeping the cool. And she just stayed focused on her game. And every shot was landed with precision. And she knocked her out on her ass. And it was it was spectacular, yeah. So, like, um, yeah, I've always liked watching her because she's just, just the skill level is just terrifyingly good, you know. So, yeah, she's she's top of the pile right now, yeah. definitely. Yeah, a good pick, a good pick. But, um yeah, I think we'll leave it there. I've uh, really enjoyed the chat, and uh, I suppose thanks a million for coming on. Awesome! Yeah, I enjoyed that. Nice one. Yeah, I'm, uh, I am looking to get a few more jujitsu people on. So uh, 
it was good. You've kind of been the first one, really, I suppose, from that background. Well, I had Gary Rooney on last week as well. He's a bit of a jiu-jitsu background as well. So, uh, I love Gary Rooney. Yeah, yeah. Big fan of Gary Rooney. We have, we have great old scraps. He batters me a few times. Yeah. Skill kid. But, uh, yeah, so he was on. So, I suppose, maybe you could say he was the first. You've been the second. But I'm hoping to have a few more on and get through the martial arts. But, uh, yeah, thanks, man, yeah, for coming on. That'd be great, Jerry. Yeah, so, take, nice care. take care. All the best. Cheers, bud. Take care.